the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some positive stories of Christian leaders for a change. And then we're joined by Scott McConnell, Executive Director of Lifeway Research. You're listening to The Common Good. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on a Friday. Aubrey, it's good to be back. Vacation's over. I love vacation, but it's always good to come back to life as normal. So how are you? Well, I'm just glad to have you back, Brian. It's been a fun little week with Catherine, but it is good to be chatting with you again this afternoon. And I almost forgot what you looked like. So I'm glad to, glad to have your face seared in my brain once again. Welcome home. <laughs> with that imagery, I'm glad to be back. And, uh, yes, I'm glad. I'm grateful for Catherine McNeil. She sat in. I was a little worried that you and her were tweeting about her filling in and all you wrote was takeover. And I was like, uh, uh, I can still see these, you know. <clears throat> but yes, I, I, I was out uh, on family vacation out in uh south dakota we drove out there as a family and Aubrey, i'll get more into it uh yeah i want to hear it was good but it was unbelievable and Uh, we like took a chance and we just got an airbnb we've never been out there at all like ever and we got this airbnb and i showed you the picture it was there wasn't another thing that you could see it was on like 120 acres you could see the milky way and every star at night it was amazing it was like nothing I've ever experienced. So we did Mount Rushmore. We did how all is, of those things. How was Mount Rushmore? I don't mean to interrupt you, but I've always wanted to see it. Was it impressive or were you kind of like, huh? It's a little bit of both of those. Yeah, if you've ever yeah. been there, you get there and you're like, whoa, Mount Rushmore. Look at those. And then you're kind of like, I don't know, not as big as I thought. And I don't know if I'm supposed to keep staring at these things. <laughs> like, <laughs> like after about a half hour, you're like, okay. Done with Mount Rushmore. That was cool. Did so, that. Did that. Saw that. Yep. Yep. It's a little bit of a bull fan. Whereas like the Grand Canyon, you could stay there for like days yeah, and just stare at yeah. it. Mount Rushmore is not like that, but it is right. cool. You're okay. like, I don't know. Nicholas Cage movies were here. Whatever. <laughs> all of these things. But, oh, we saw. We saw bison. We saw <gasps> the, the Milky cool. Way. We saw, it was like no vacation we've ever done. And I told Carrie yesterday, like we drove a thousand miles yesterday. That's and, a lot. My family road trips well. I don't know how you feel like your family. I feel like we do really well, and mm-hmm. it was just awesome. It was cool I'm to be so together. Glad. We know, you know, my daughter's going to college in less than yeah. a month, so it wasn't. It wasn't like oh, the last, but it was. There was a little bit of like, all right, Definitely. we're going to go home, and things are going to change mm-hmm. up a little bit. They're going to speed so, up quickly. Yep. Grateful for it. Grateful for the chance to do it. Not grateful for the gas prices on the way there, but uh, but let I me tell am you, telling you, go ahead. I did a I did a wedding. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I won't tell you how much this person paid me for, but you know, when you and I, when we yeah. do weddings as pastors, we get paid for these things. 
and it was the you know week or two before vacation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took that money and said, this is just going to be vacation money. Yeah, and smart. so I put all gas on the credit card. And then we did one like adventure day where you go like zip lining. And oh, this cool. And that. That's fine. Overpriced, but you got to right, do it. But it's you got to do it. Yeah. Put that on the credit card. Yeah. The rest of the vacation was on that wedding money. Hey. So it worked out. Man, that sounds like a nice wedding fee. We'll have to talk about this off air. Uh, not bad. Let me tell you, not okay. bad. So right. uh, it, that felt good too. So anyway, glad to be back, but uh, it was uh, a really, really fun time. If you guys have never been out there, uh, yeah, we've never. I guess South Kevin, Dakota, Kevin definitely has, but I've never been out there. It's like it was just. I'm an East Coast boy, yeah. Live in the Midwest, so everything's out. It's just like nothing I've ever seen. Like, uh, yeah, my, my daughter Madeline. She described it the best, like one of the first days. And I know this is literally a phrase they use for that area, but she just looked at me. She's like, the sky is so big here. And mm. you're like, yeah, that line doesn't make sense. But when you're standing there, it makes total you, sense. You get it. Because it's, <laughs> like, so, it's uninterrupted, right? Like you just, there's nothing blocking 100%. it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's so cool. Uh, I didn't see people. And when we were at this house, we just wouldn't see people for... It was my, my introverted wife's dream. Let's put it that way. She's like, can we move here? Can we start a life here in South Dakota? We drove into some towns. It was like population 200. And you're like, population 200. And it was Unbelievable. Cool. That's so cool. Well, so I'm glad good you guys had back. a great time. Yeah, yeah it sounds really awesome. And, and more stuff will come out of this, including what we what we talked about before I left, like we could start being those radio people who do Mount Rushmore of this, Mount Rushmore of that. I, oh, I've been waiting for you to come back with that. I'm excited I'm now that you now that you have a, the visual imagery to back it I up. I feel like it. there's some real passion. Yeah, that's gonna that's be exciting. Right. I'm just, I could stare it down and be like, "Yep, that's where George Washington's face was, and that's where uh, <laughs> whatever." So anyway, good to be back. All right, I did want to talk about one thing, uh, Aubrey. You and I, I, I almost deleted Twitter while I was gone, and here's why. Because I try not to get on social media much, but Twitter is more, I've told you, I just kind of observe, just yeah. kind of look. And yeah. I feel like it has become, uh, it has kind of gone, it has flipped in the Christian world of like, we're just going to tell you every bad thing about every church we can. And I start to go, I know. are there any good, like, and I know that there are, but it yeah. can become really overwhelming where, you know, this blogger is talking about this person and this person, this argument's going on. And you're like, right. oh, it gets to be overwhelming and i know there is a role for it where that kind of thing is good but i I wanted to highlight two uh christian leaders if you will uh from from the last week and some things that happened and i know that uh you mentioned to me you and Catherine uh covered this but ron Sider passed away yeah we talked about that on monday that was such a i mean you know he wasn't a young man but it was still such shocking news yeah i just remember being at wheaton as a freshman and you know you're in college you're you're kind of challenging all of your beliefs and Mm -hmm. all of this I remember everybody read, read Rich Christians in an age of Yeah, hunger. that's what Catherine and I were saying, especially at Wheaton. Like, you couldn't go to Wheaton without either either reading it or pretending like you read it or knowing like you should read it. You know, like we that only, was one of those we books. We only pretend to read the C.S. Lewis books. We really <laughs> read some of Wait, Anne J.I. Packer. I think we decided yes. Anne J.I. Packer. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, but... Uh, Oddly, I do believe that if Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger came out right now, he would be called woke and probably 100%. a socialist. No, there's no um, doubt he would. Yeah. And I doubt. But it really challenged me and many of mm-hmm. my friends in what do we believe about wealth? And so that was yeah. one that came out. But then this other one, Nikki Gumbel is retiring from his church in England. <gasps> I didn't uh, know that. 
Yes. And if you from Holy uh, Trinity Brompton, where he is the vicar. Uh, yeah. But if you don't know the name Nicky Gumbel, uh, Nicky Gumbel began. He's he's retiring from his 46 years wow. of, of leadership there. If you don't know the name Nicky Gumbel, Nicky Gumbel and his church created and began the Alpha Course. Right. Uh, 30 million people, here's some of their stats, have been introduced to the Christian faith through the Alpha Course across 140 countries, 170 languages, uh, 2 million people through their Bible app, 2 million. And so it just keeps going and going. And he's handing off his church, the uh, Holy Brompton. And he even said this in his farewell. He said, the best is yet to come. Mm. So it's not this, I'm going away. He didn't die. He's not, But he's handing off the church going, I think it's time for new leadership. And when I read this, on top of Rick Warren, who just, yeah. I believe, I believe this week was the official handing off. I could be wrong on the dates. I guess I just felt the need coming back after reading all this stuff and going, I want to celebrate people who did it well. And to read the Nikki Gumbel stuff, it was like a breath of fresh air to me going, I want to be like that guy Mm -hmm, and not like all the other things I read on Twitter. Yeah, totally. I, you know, again, not everyone knows Alpha, but if you are familiar with Alpha, you just know that Nikki Gumbel's influence around the world for the gospel is huge. And of course, he's the type of at least I mean, I don't know him, but at least he's the type of guy who wouldn't say that's about him, but about God's glory. And I mean, I'm a huge alpha fan. I think every church needs to have alpha or something like it. Like it is, you know, we talk about evangelism efforts and it is one of the most influential ones. Like so many people have come to Christ because of alpha or at least explored Christianity because of alpha. But it is, I mean, you're right. I, I, this week, especially Brian, have had a couple people send me articles or tag me in tweets about this church leader and that church yes. leader. And, and I got to be honest, I know you and I cover some of these stories and their hard stories and they need to be told. That said, we've talked a little bit about this before, and I wonder if we're starting to edge into like a cottage industry of tearing the church down and little groups of people rising up against churches. And I'm I'm so. starting to feel like we're moving beyond health to something else. Like I think that's right. Because there is a place to call out toxic leadership. Like I, I don't want anyone to hear me saying that that's not true. But I so in my own spirit, I'm starting to be like not responding to those articles or to people saying, well, this church or this church leader, mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm just going to let the Lord deal with that. And unless I personally know them, it's, yeah. I don't know. I'm just getting more and more sensitive to that. All that to say, to be able to celebrate a life, a faithful life, like Nikki Gumbel, to be able to celebrate a faithful life, like Rick Warren, like Ron Sider, like Carrie Lattimore, another African-American evangelical leader who died this week. Mm. Um, uh, to maybe that's sort of the counter liturgy is instead of tearing down, let's raise up those who yes. are just have faithfully run the race and celebrate that, them. And that's what I want to do because there is a TMZ yeah. Christian wing. It feels like it right now. It seems like it's happening, and I, I I don't I don't feel comfortable with it. That's uh, let me end. Let me read how Christianity Today in their article about Nikki Gumbel ends. Uh, in this time of great leadership turmoil within the church. It is right and good for us to celebrate those who make it to the finish line and inspire others to follow mm. suit. So I want us to be inspired by that and uh, a job well done. Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined by the executive director of Lifeway Research. His name is Scott McConnell. Scott, how are you doing today? 
Hey, I'm doing well. Glad to be with you. Really glad to have yeah, you with so us. And before here. we jump into just a fascinating study that has taken place over there at Lifeway, why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I work with uh, Lifeway, specifically Lifeway Research. And so we do research on the church and on the culture and uh, share those findings with church leaders, hoping that mm. having a little better idea of kind of what's going on around us uh, will help us navigate uh, the culture and, and make good decisions within our churches mm. uh, accordingly. Yeah, I love that. Brian and I told you off here, we're both pastors and, and just care a lot about the church. So Lifeway is a great, great resource for us. So thanks for all that you're doing. Okay, so Scott, there's a new, uh, some new research that you've done about Americans being divided on who should lead healthy conversations about challenges in America. Uh, can you unpack that for us? Sure. Uh, you know, we, we live in a broken world, and it, increasingly, we think Americans are starting to realize that, yeah, even even in the U.S., uh, we live in a broken society. And so, so we put this question in front of a, a representative sample of Americans. We said, in America today, who is in the best position to generate a healthy conversation on challenges mm. facing our society? Mm. And we, we gave eight options, and what we tried to reflect in those options were were kind of some people's go-tos. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of people will, will say, Hey, government can, can, can fix things. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, even, even our founders in, in our founding documents said to, to create a more perfect union, mm -hmm. we, we think we can invent a government that, that, that's going to solve the problems <laughs> in our society. Uh, other people turn to business and, and they think that, you know, business, if left to itself, that invisible hand of our economy will make the right decisions um, and will, will will benefit us all. Others turn to knowledge. And and so, you know, a university professor, they look up to somebody like that as having knowledge. Yeah. Um, and and of course, knowledge is you know just a, a browser away from us today. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet. Uh, and, and others turn to, to some of their sources of pleasure, whether it be sports or, or, or mm. music, you know, kind mm. of saying, hey, the, the, the people that satisfy other needs in my life, I think they could help our, our, our country get to a better place. Mm. And and we, we also put pastors on this list um, and, and, you know, knowing that that they know the the author of life, uh, mm -hmm. you know, could it could it be possible that people would actually believe that a pastor um, would be able to lead a healthy conversation about our society. And, and the reality is that, the, that none of those that we put in front of folks did a majority of Americans think could lead a healthy conversation. Not even one out of five Americans agreed on any one of those. Wow. Um, and so we're, we're so scattered wow. um, in, in who we're turning to and, and, and who we believe could actually, uh, you know, help our society move in a better direction. Well, that's fascinating. And so uh, one of the things that, that the study says is, and you just touched on this, nearly one in three Americans or 32 percent say none of the roles considered in the study are best positioned to lead healthy conversations on challenges in America. That's pretty sobering that a third of people say nobody. What mm -hmm. it, Help us understand that, because that feels like a really dangerous finding for us as a culture. Absolutely. And, and a few of those people probably had you know, more to add to the list. Um, mm -hmm. But most of the things they would add, probably even fewer Americans would, you know, put their faith in. So mm -hmm. most of that third of Americans, uh, you know, really are skeptical that, you know, can anybody uh, lead us to a better place? Um, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, that leads us to, 
you know, people, people doing a lot of desperate things, you know, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die mm. kind of a mentality. Um, and so, you know, living on the edge a little bit, um, it also can cause people to be, you know, vulnerable to the next uh, quote unquote, lowercase s savior yeah. or superhero mm. that yeah. might come along and just wow. believe in, oh, maybe this person could lead us, uh, you know, to, to a better society. And, and, mm. and so, you know, both of those are kind of dangerous spots to be in, uh, to have that many people, you know, not trusting in something um, yeah. w- w- that's firmer. And Scott, just l- looking at this data and thinking specifically about the church, um, I guess what is the opportunity here then f- for mm. the church and church leaders? I, I think we have to describe that, uh, you know, the, the church has a different message. We, you know, we know that trust, we've seen surveys where the trust in pastors and elected officials and and police officers and and different roles in our society have all been on decline. Yeah. And so the skepticism kind of pervades everything in our society. And so we have to kind of remind people that our message is getting back to our creator mm. and and that our our creator actually knows how to build a society mm. and build people uh and 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 so by introducing people to, to who God is and that it was sin that corrupted that original perfect plan yeah. um, and that God gave us a solution to that sin. Um, and so he can transform us individually um, to become more like Christ. And, and I think that's a message that, that can resonate today because a lot of the other things we've, we've trusted in through the years have failed us. Yeah, That's right. And, and so I think, while it can be dangerous to look at the third that aren't putting their confidence in anything, um, it, it also can be an opportunity yeah. to say there is someone you can put your confidence in that that truly can satisfy and can lead us to a better place. That's a great word. And mm-hmm. I, I want to stay on that about pastors, as we've talked about on the show. Aubrey and I are both pastors. Um, what It does feel like there's an opportunity for the pastor, for the church to step in here. But yet you also, obviously you do all the research. It says people's view of the church is declining. What, what, how can the church and pastors specifically kind of take advantage of this opportunity? What are ways, I guess another way to ask it, what are ways to build some bridges to be seen as those trusted people, even for people maybe who don't go to church? I think it's important for pastors to be involved in their community. And so it means, uh, you know, being visible as well as, as participating, uh, you know, being present at chamber of commerce meetings, Mm. understanding what the needs are and partnering with, uh, you know, both ministries as well as, as some of the, the other groups that are trying to make an impact and solve problems within the community. You know, we know that God's heart throughout scripture is, you know, cares about the needy. And, yeah. and so if pastors are showing that same heart as they interact with others who are taking care of the needy in our communities, that sends a huge message that our church is not just trying to build our own numbers. It's not about us getting credit for things at our church. It's about really serving our community and, and being a light. Mm, so yeah. good. Such a good word. Scott, where can people find out more about you and more about LifeWay Research? Uh, LifewayResearch.com has uh, the the research we do on a regular basis, as well as uh, insights articles that try to make that research practical and how, how it can help us. 
That's good. Again, a fascinating study called Who Should Lead Healthy Conversations on Challenges in America? There is certainly what the research shows is there is certainly a void of trusted leadership right now. And I think that's an opportunity, as Scott helped us see, for the church, for pastors right now. Again, Scott McConnell, he's the executive director of Lifeway Research. Scott, this was fascinating. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for letting me join you. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Bobby, uh, one reason I wanted to be back on Friday is because on Friday we go, we, we allow our executive producer, Keith Conrad, to guide us into the strange world that is the internet. That's right. We, That's he right. gives us stories that are either weird or strange or heartwarming, anything. And, and we don't read them before we read them on air. So our reactions are, uh, are genuine. They real are time, genuine real action. time reactions. There we go. Yes, so he gives us five fun. stories. Should I start? Should I start? I would love for you to start. Go ahead and kick us off. I'm very eager to start. Mm-hmm. Okay. These, I don't, these are sad stories, but also a little bit hilarious. Yes. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Uh, this is out of Florida. Oh, always which, Florida. I mean, it's always Florida, and I love Florida, but this is out of Florida. Drunk woman drove golf cart on Florida Highway. Okay, she did. Always uh, alcohol in Florida. Bo- <laughs> always alcohol and some kind of vehicle in Florida. I gotta be honest, too. I want that Florida golf cart life. Like, I know, like, John Piper says I shouldn't. Like, don't waste your life. But, like, I want that. Like, that's my dream. I don't think John one Piper day. ever said don't have, a, uh, don't have a golf cart. He said don't spend your don't life collecting seashells. <laughs> I feel like that's basically the same thing. That's the golf cart life, but I want it. Okay. A woman with an open bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey in a bag Uh-oh. was arrested for driving a golf cart on Florida's busiest interstate while drunk, according to the arrest report. The 58-year-old woman was arrested Saturday night on the shoulder of Interstate 95. She's now facing misdemeanor charges of disorderly intoxication in a public place and resisting an officer without violence. According to the Florida Highway Patrol report, a semi-truck driver spotted the woman driving in the golf cart in the center lane of the Interstate 95 in Brevard County, which is the heart of Florida's Space Coast. The truck driver advised she observed the driver of the golf cart passing out while driving. This is bad. The truck driver used her semi to steer the golf cart to the shoulder of the interstate. Well, she's the real hero, the truck driver. Once on the shoulder, the truck driver grabbed the keys to the golf cart as the woman tried to drive away. Once troopers arrived at the scene, the woman started arguing with them, arguing with them and insisted she needed her bag. Inside the bag, troopers found an open bottle of Jack Daniels, Tennessee fire whiskey, authorities said. So she's not messing around. She's drinking that fire whiskey. Interstate 95, which stretches up and down the East Coast, is Florida's busiest interstate highway. I pity those poor suckers on the freeway. Gas break, hog. Gas break, hog. Hog, hog, punch. Gas, gas, gas. There you go. Florida alcohol in a golf cart. How about that, Florida? Hey, for the next story, we're staying in Florida. Loose monkey sightings reported in Florida City. Residents of a Florida town are on the lookout for an unusual animal after locals reported seeing a monkey on the loose. Chris Ledford of Cape Corral said he and a friend were on his front porch when they spotted a monkey that ran into some bushes and jumped out moments later. He was about two feet, Ledford said. Other witnesses on social media said the animal appeared to be a capuchin monkey. Ledford said he was been leaving food. Oh, don't do this. He's leaving food out for the primate in hopes of getting another look. 
He said the oh, food no. has been disappearing, but he hasn't been able to confirm that the animal that took it was the primate. There were similar sightings reported early in July in Portland, Maine, uh, where monkey were sightings. Now, he's oh. putting out the food. What are the chances that it's not a monkey stealing it, but a lady on a golf cart? I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> All the worlds come together. <laughs> I was just wondering if these monkeys escape from Animal Kingdom at Disney World and they're they're traveling the world. They want they want to get out and see the world. All right. We're moving to Mississippi now. Staying in the south, but moving to Mississippi. A guard cat was credited with preventing a would-be robbery. A Mississippi man said his pet cat helped prevent a robbery at his home, and he credits the calico with possibly saving his life. Bandit, a 20-pound cat, lives with her retired owner, Fred Everett, in the Tupelo suburb of Belden. When at least two people tried to break into their shared home last week, the cat did everything she could to alert Everett of the danger. You hear of guard dogs, said Everett, 68 years old. This is a guard cat. The attempted robbery occurred sometime between 2.30 and 3 a.m. on July 25th, Everett said. He was awoken by bandits meows in the kitchen. Then she raced into the bedroom, jumped onto the bed, and began pulling the comforter off of him and clawing at his arms. Everett knew something was wrong. She had never done that before, Everett said. I went, what in the world is wrong with you? Everett got up to investigate and saw two young men outside his back door. One had a handgun! And the other was using a crowbar to try and pry the door open. Everett said by the time he retrieved a handgun, he returned to the kitchen and the would-be intruders had already fled. He did not call the police. I'm not sure why he didn't call the police. <laughs> anyway, that's the story. The guard cat. The guard cat. I don't know. You know you the know. guard cat. The little, you little bandit. I, I don't... Yeah, I'm a little skeptical about this because I think the cat was just being a cat. Like, that's what cats do. They freak out on you. So when I first read the title there, I thought... He's probably helping the intruders. I thought the cat was going to scare away the intruders. So it makes more sense that the cat woke up the homeowner. Yeah, Uh, I mean, that's nice. That's cute. Yes. That's a cute story. Out to Utah. Utah man accused of causing wildfire by burning a spider. (laughs) Come on. Why does that make me laugh? (laughs) A Utah man has been arrested on accusations he started a wildfire while trying to burn a spider with his lighter. Uh, Corey Allen Martin told deputies that he spotted the spider Monday while he was in a hiking area in the foothills south of Salt Lake City. Uh, He acknowledged starting the fire, but didn't explain why he was trying to burn the spider. Probably because it was a spider. <laughs> Deputies found a jar of marijuana in his belongings. Of course they did. But he didn't appear to be high. There is evidence. There is no evidence to suggest he int- intentionally started the blaze, but he called it reckless and puzzling decision. This area and most of Utah are bone dry amid extreme da- drought conditions. What led him to stop and notice a spider and decide to try to burn it? We don't know. There may not be a why. He might not even know why. <laughs> There's no spider here. But I will hunt down the alleged arachnid and spread some to kingdom come. I mean, it's a 26-year-old dude. He's just burning spiders. That's what, that's what people do. He's smoking <laughs> marijuana and burning spiders. He's living his best life. Also, He's living his best life. I will tell you, right. though, uh, in his follow-up book, John Piper also said, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't waste your life burning spiders in Utah. <laughs> don't start wildfires. Uh, all right. Last We're one. moving to Texas. Moving to Texas. All right, a Texas family stolen dog <gasps> found five years later, 600 miles from home. Wow, okay. 
Do- I feel a lot more sentimental about dog stories than yes, cat stories. Do. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell that to our listeners. Okay, a dog stolen from a Texas family was found five years later when she was picked up by an animal control officer more than 600 miles away. The city of Borger said in a Facebook post that an animal control officer recently picked up a stray German shepherd, scanned the canine for a microchip. The dog's microchip identified her as Sheba, a pet stolen five years ago from Stephanie Maelstrom whose home was in Baytown, Texas, a town about 600 miles away. Maelstrom said in 2018 that the then two-year-old dog had been stolen when she'd wandered up to a stranger's pickup truck outside her home. She was such a loving animal, she went straight to him thinking she was going to go for a ride, and she hasn't been back. Maelstrom said in a Facebook post that she is working with a nonprofit group to arrange Sheba's journey from home on a private plane. If you take anything from this story, please microchip your animals, she wrote. Who saw Old Yeller? Who cried when Old Yeller got shot at the end? Nobody cried when Old Yeller got shot, I'm sure. I cried my eyes that out. Would be fat. That's that, pretty incredible. That would be so sad. Like I, I know I got two I know, dogs. Have that you lost would your be dog? so sad. Yeah. And, it, and being stolen, that's awful. It really is. That's a that person deserves a special place in hell for stealing yeah. stealing somebody's I mean, dog. Come on, steal a dog. Come on. So what we learned today is that Florida never disappoints. Brian, we've kind of hinted at this and some of the things that we've talked about, but. You and I were having a conversation off air that I thought might be interesting to have on air for our listeners uh, about not all of our off air conversations are worth talking about on air. But this one I, I thought might be um, just <laughs> about what we're noticing, which um, has become a trend, a cottage industry. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the term you want to use. Uh, uh, criticizing, tearing down, naming things as abuse in the church that may or may not be a abuse. And yeah. I want to be very careful about this because I recognize that there is actual abuse in the church and there are actual toxic leaders in the church. You and I have covered a lot of those stories. So we are in no way, shape or form wanting to hide, stop, like, like abuse needs to come to light, needs to be talked yeah. about. And there's no place for in the church, period, period, period. What I am finding is that like, even just this week, Brian, I'll be honest with you, several people in my life have sent me an article about a certain church that right now is under some ridicule. And I'll just be very honest with you. I'm I'm uh, finding myself, as I'm seeing more and more articles tearing down the church or people on social media tearing down the church or making blatant statements about like the mega church or the celebrity pastor, mm-hmm. or blah, blah, blah. Um, there's just this check in my spirit where I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to engage. I'm going to slow down until there's like actual proof and things are out. I, these accusations that are, seem to be flying around based on people's opinions. Mm. Um, I feel like we're getting into, a we're getting into some, an unhealthy place that is different to me than like calling out criminal behavior or toxic behavior yeah. from pastors. And yeah. uh, you were, you were kind of saying, you noticed something online as well. So I, I do, and I mentioned this a little bit, I touched on this earlier, one thing that's unnerving me, and I think you, we do want to be careful with what you said earlier, like the church has spent a lot of time covering up abuses that are now coming to light, right? And so that's a positive thing. We want a purging, we want this. I do wonder and worry, at least watching things happen online, if there is uh, a swinging of that pendulum that's gone so far that now 
everything is being called abuse with uh, that might in past be called a church conflict, a conflict of personality types or whatever else. And that the danger is, is that uh, individuals who have been said, oh, your church, you don't take abuse. You're almost having to prove yourself innocent. Right. It's Mm. like a. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a witch hunt in which it says, well, you've been labeled this. And, and without naming names, you and I have said there does feel like a little bit of a cottage industry right now in the Christian media world that is saying uh, our our whole thing is to going is going to be to highlight unhealthy churches. And there yeah. are way too many unhealthy churches out there. Yeah. But it feels like that the second somebody says something bad about one church, it gets picked up by that person, that person, that person, right. and it's already gone yeah. before you could say, time out, that's not true, right. or that's right. not accurate. Maybe right. there is a kernel. Uh, we repented of that, or we work that out, uh-huh. or we had you're not an organization come in and do the research that we, we just didn't talk about it publicly. Yeah. Go, go ahead, go ahead. You're not getting both sides of the story. A lot of this has come out about the new guy who just took over for Rick Warren at Saddleback. Mm-hmm. So, do you trust the organization of Saddleback, of Vanderblumen, and all of them who did all of the interviews and stuff, or? The one blogger who says, ah, they didn't do a good job. Here's right. what really happened. Right. And now this guy is just getting inundated by things. His yeah. name's Andy Wood. Yeah. I don't know him from Adam. He could right. be a terrible dude, but he, I, I don't think he is, right? And, and every time somebody comes to his defense, they're getting raked across the coals. You mm-hmm. don't take abuse seriously. And there's these pastors who then only have one of two options, to get off of Twitter and ignore it all. Right. Or to fight every time somebody right. says this. But you got to be careful because if somebody says something about your church, whether it's true or not, that if that spreads, you're kind of screwed a little bit. And so I do worry, Aubrey. Like, I do feel like there's a reckoning that says... We want to take abuse seriously, but not everything that is claimed to be abuse can automatically necessarily be believed. Like there has to be some vetting. Yeah. There has to be some work it out. Like not everything is Mark Driscoll, the rise and fall of Mark Driscoll. Right. I love that podcast. I right. thought it was altogether Same. really good Same. and helpful mm-hmm. and move this ball forward. I do think the the um the downside of that podcast is now everybody thinks that every big church is Mark Driscoll and they're trying to find everything. Yeah. And I, I worry about that. I, I worry about that too. And I worry about us just kind of, like you said, sort of lumping in like every church leader, every, even mega church. Like we're going after these things and just saying like, oh, it's all corrupt. It's not the real church. Oh, they're toxic. And it feels like we've gotten this, this sort of automatic uh, reflex like like you're saying, do you hear one blogger story or one person's story and then everyone's jumping on board? It's like this mob mentality of tearing down the church. And I just wonder for the Christian especially, like that we need to have we need to have a little bit of fear of God when it comes to tearing mm. down the church because this is his deal and his vision and his dream. Simultaneously, we need to have a fear of God when it comes to leading the church and being the type of leader that honors Jesus. But I just Again, and I, I get—I think I recognize it because I could be someone jumping on a bandwagon, and I want to move very slowly. Like, let's just mm. make sure the things we're getting outraged about or jumping on are true and accurate, and are moving. Again, don't ignore abuse, don't keep it in silence, but like, let's just make sure due diligence has been done before we're like um, going after you know witch burning. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's 
I don't know. I, I'm just my, I'm wrestling with it in my spirit, this whole tearing down the church kind of mentality. I'm seeing a lot, a lot from Christians. I think something that you've uh, dealt with more than I have, but even I have to a point is knowing some of the people who are being kind of raked across the coals and you're going, no, no, I actually feel like I know that person and I could be wrong, but they're really impressive people. They've played a big role in my life. The stuff you're saying doesn't seem to match, but you're jumping onto what one person has said. Uh, And again, I could be being fooled, but I think you make a good point. Like let's, and it's just so hard because for so long the church covered up abuse and it wasn't talked about so we don't want to go back to that but can we fall somewhere in the middle where we go we're going to take allegations seriously but maybe the way to take them seriously is not to write a blog and tweet about it yeah but instead to like get the right people involved to investigate or whatever maybe that's too pollyanna but i feel like we've gone into this cottage industry that says "Uh oh they use the a word therefore i'm going to write 11 blogs that just kill this person whether I even know it's true or not. I also think that this goes back to like our social media too. Like you can feel passionately, you can feel angry, you can get triggered. You can, all those things, you don't have to do it on social media. Like just because you're not like rising up to like fight against that one church leader, you heard a story about one time doesn't mean you don't feel those things, but this needs to sort of like all of us like jump on and tear down I, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know the answer because I hear I mean, we're both kind of saying let's not go back to where we were, where abuse was hidden. But let's also find a way to do this in a way that like honors Jesus, honors God's church and uh, is healthy all the way around. I guess I don't have an yeah. answer to it, but I think yeah. we need to I think we need to keep talking about it and just keep checking, che- kind of checking our, our spirits when we see some of this happening online. All I right. Think that's very wise. Yeah. It's Friday. You know what Friday means. It is our top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right, Brian, you want to tell the people what we're talking about this week? Because this is kind of a funny one. It's summertime. It's grilling season. So Mm -hmm. we just decided maybe you and I are both hungry today. Maybe Maybe that's that's what this is. Maybe we're just hungry. It sounds like a great time of year to do our top five meats. Top and, uh, five meats. And I don't want to. I don't want it to just be like top five. I like beef. <laughs> I like this, but like specifically, like you go to a restaurant and you're gonna go. You're gonna get a meal. You're gonna yeah. order. You're gonna order some meat. Yeah. What are some of the top ones that you're going to do? Mm-hmm, so we're, we'll mm-hmm. see if this works. Sometimes these work. Sometimes they yeah, won't. Yeah. I think. I think we're on the right track with this one. Yeah. We'll uh, see. Yeah. What. Yeah, why don't you start us off? Okay, I am going to, um, I'm going to throw something here that I would and have ordered at a restaurant, but specifically at a barbecue restaurant, okay? Uh, And this is something that my husband introduced me to a few years ago, and uh, these little little babies are good. They're called burnt ends. Yes. Yes, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of nasty because it's a real fatty piece of meat, but they're like almost like charred and delicious. I love Uh, some burnt ends. You you do not need to convince me of okay. that. Yes, the guy, I have nothing barbecue on here. Now I feel a little guilty. Like that. Oh no, I do. Never mind. Okay. Never mind. Okay. All well, right. maybe not really. All right, number five for me, uh, and this is coming off. I actually hadn't had this in a while, but let me set the stage. When we were in South Dakota this past week, we stayed at an Airbnb at this house, and the guy who owned it 
uh, him and his family, they, they live in the middle of nowhere in South Dakota. They have like a ranch and family. Like they're very different from us. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And so for a little bit of an extra charge, they were like, we'll make you a good home cooked meal for one of the nights. So oh, that's like, Great. cool. We'll do this. Right. Kind of fun. And so they made, uh, and you start to know, you're like, oh, you just killed all the animals. Like it's, you start to like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> the main dish and something that was spectacular that I have not had in a while, but I, it's now I would like to have it more. I kind of got a taste for this now is meatloaf. Meatloaf. That is a solid choice. Meatloaf. It was loaf. wonderful. Yeah, it was I, wonderful. I haven't made a meatloaf in a while. I'm just thinking about that. Okay. I, I yeah. want, next time I go to a restaurant where they have like a meatloaf, I might mm-hmm. go for it. I, I think that might be it. Wow. Okay. Tell me how they did that. Did they put something on top of the meatloaf? Like some kind of sauce? Yes. Yeah. We couldn't figure out what it was. I think yeah. it had, I think it, it was a mixture of stuff. Ketchup was a part of it. Yeah. Ketchup which was Which is a part often of it, the probably. case with meatloaf. Right. But there was something else in it that mm. I don't I had a little kick to it. It was mm. wonderful. Oh, man. Okay. Mashed I'd like potatoes to get that and carrots. And oh, yes. It was man. wonderful. Wow. Way to go. Way to go, host. Okay. Uh, my number four. I am. I'm still sticking with barbecue. I got quite a bit of barbecue on here. It's on the mind, honestly. Um, I and I am hungry, Elson. I'm going to go with a good old fashioned brisket. I love mm-hmm. me some barbecue brisket. You, it, especially if it's just cooked perfectly and it's tender. So good. Good on sandwich. Good not on a sandwich. Just you do good. not. You do not need to convince me of the barbecue. Thank you. You do not need to convince so me. But number four that. for me. Uh, and this takes various forms, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to go with fried chicken. Oh, it could be, okay. Okay. It could be Kentucky fried chicken. That's like my favorite, right? Like mm-hmm. you got the basket, like you got like the, the bucket and you just reach in yeah. and like it's all greasy. Like mm-hmm. I love, but this could also be Jesus chicken from Chick-fil-A. This could be any of it. <laughs> Christian chicken. Yeah, we call it Jesus chicken at our house at Chick Fil A. This could be, this could be a okay. good chicken tender, a good chicken tender at a restaurant. I love fried chicken. You have a nice variety of meats on yours, Brian. Well done. Okay, um, yours I, is favorite bar- top five mine's barbecue. All barbecue. <laughs> My next one is actually barbecue. I'm going with like good old fashioned ribs. I just love. I mean, oh. I, again, you don't have to convince anybody of ribs. Like ribs are just good. Period. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I agree with you. You might see that on my list. Okay. later okay uh but yes ribs are wonderful okay uh for me number three uh and this is like just a staple and this is going to sound so basic but you just give me on especially certain days just a cheeseburger oh just yeah, just a, a good old cheeseburger oftentimes we'll go to restaurants and you're like i'm gonna try something and then all of a sudden you look at the menu like I'm just gonna have that cheeseburger yeah or you go home and you know, my wife will be like, hey, how about we grill cheeseburgers tonight? There's never a part of me that goes, oh, we shouldn't do that. Every time. You're it's like, like yes. yes, I want that cheeseburger. So a grilled, uh, off of the grill cheeseburger. I think we need to have a conversation at some point about the best cheeseburgers because I have been struggling lately to find a burger that's really satisfying me. I can't tell if my taste buds are changing in old age or what, but like we at some point we need to have a burger conversation. Where do you get the best cheeseburger? And I need to go have it. Okay. I, I think we can do that. We'll come back I think to we that. can do that. Okay. Uh, number two. Right? We're at number two already, aren't we? Okay. Yes. We're at number two. Okay. I am going to go with a good old-fashioned breakfast meat, and that's bacon. Oh, my gosh. I feel like how I don't I even have to, to explain put, it. Like, b- how did bacon. I forget to put bacon on mine? You forgot bacon, Brian? I, you know what? You were I thinking love, dinners, maybe? I love breakfast food. I know. And... When you go get that breakfast, I, I will often get, you know, the plate where you get like French toast and mm-hmm. and scrambled eggs yeah. and you get like 
it always says bacon. Yeah. It's always like bacon or like sausage, sausage patty. I always, why not both? I always ask for both. <laughs> and they will often do it because I also love a good sausage patty. Oh, I don't, I need these to not get on my list, but yeah. uh, good call. Yeah. Good call Thank on your you. part. Thank you. Number two for me, and this is, uh, this, I'll just say it. It's steak. Oh. Give me a good steak. A st- Go a st- to a steak restaurant. Man. Usually I can't afford yeah. it, but if someone's right. like, let me right. buy you dinner, and you're like, I would like you to buy me a steak. I, uh, steak. How do you order your steak? So Kevin, I, I get a medium steak, but Kevin says I, he's like, no, that's not how you should do it. Like he likes a, he likes a well done or not a well done, a, not well done. Sorry. What's, raw, what's the opposite? Raw. Like, yeah, he wants like a raw bloody steak, so, no. but I can't do that. I need it to be, I don't want it burnt. I, I do want it tender, but I, I go medium. What about you? Uh, same, same. Yeah. And, uh, I, you had people about ready just to hate your yeah, husband. Yeah, sorry, not you well, said, done, well done, rare. I meant like, to say whoa. like rare. That's how rare. he likes it. Yeah, I think yes, that's nasty. Yes, he likes it, but yeah. Okay, yeah, steak. You're I not, forgot uh, a steak, and that feels like a very foundational. It piece is of well it done. Is. All right. Uh, all right, honorable mentions. You yep. up? I've got a couple honorable mentions. I couldn't quite fit them into the. They're a little strange, so I couldn't quite fit them into the categories. But like, I, I like fajita meat. Like sometimes I'll order fajitas and I won't even wrap them up. I'll just kind of use my fork and dig into the okay. the steak, chicken, and shrimp combo I like that. And then pot roast. My mom's my mom was a very big oh. like Sunday afternoon pot roast gal. Like where the potatoes and the carrots and the onions and. I love a good pot roast. I haven't quite mastered making one myself, but they are good when they're done right. That is a good call. And yeah. now I also am just thinking of all the stuff I didn't put on here. Like, you ever go to like Cracker Barrel and just get stew? Oh, I That's, love that stew love. of Cracker Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel too. That's an underrated restaurant. It's been too restaurant. long for me. Yeah. All right. I put down two honorable mentions, but you okay. mentioned a bunch that I wish I'd put on, like okay. bacon, like yep. pot roast. Yeah. I am starving now. But one that you did mention <laughs> on my honorable mention, I put ribs. Love them. Sometimes a little messy. Sometimes a little. Yeah, they but are a little love messy. them. Yep. Love them. Yep. And then. I don't know if I if I how much I like this meat versus how much I like the holiday that it's associated with. But turkey, give me okay. some, g- okay. give me some uh, gravy on it. You know I, I don't have mixed know, feelings though. about turkey. We've talked about this. Like I'm like eh. I don't ever go to a restaurant and go I want turkey. So Nobody that's why I didn't does. put it on my list. Yeah. But on Thanksgiving, I'm always like, ooh, turkey. Okay, like, solid. That's, that's so fair. it might be more about the holiday. Okay. Give us your number one. I'm ready for this. I know you're gonna make fun of me, and I know you're gonna laugh at me. But if you have not tried this. Brian, please don't scoff until you do, because this is one of the best meats I've ever had. And I've only had it twice in my life, and it's really this been just w- this summer only. This okay? took way too much I know, like, lead I know, up. Like, I know. This took, it's going to be like a vegan I'm not burger. even done. I'm not even done leading up yet. So you know how I love Korean dramas. I have been like kind of obsessed in a Korean world right now. And so I have yes. gone to this delicious family-run Korean barbecue restaurant twice this summer. There is a meat called bulgogi, which is just a thinly marinated slice of like, I mean, top meat, like expensive, and it is delicious. You wrap mm. it in, you wrap, you don't have to wrap it in anything, or you can wrap it in some of their sides like kimchi or add a little rice or some radish. I know it all sounds strange, Brian, but it is incredible. And I keep, I like dreaming about it. Like I cannot wait to go back and get more. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it. Your fascination with all things Korean right now. I know. It's a, is one I, I'm of in the a strangest phase. turns. I'm in a it's, weird it's, phase. I'm not going to lie. What a strange phase. It's it's a fun it's just, phase. I'm not going to lie, but I'm in it. I'm in it to win it, too. I'm like all things Korean right now. There you go. All right, yep. my number one. Uh, and I, if these are on the menu, I tend to go with them. 
I've I've raised my son to love these. That is buffalo wings. <gasps> buffalo wings. Those are great. I kind of forgot about those too. Man, take me to Buffalo Wild Wings there. or other restaurants and have some wings, and that is a. That's a good night right there. I like it. I like it. Well, those are our top five plus some extra meats. If we missed any of the big ones that you love, let us know on our social media at Common Good Talk. It is the end of the show. It's the end of the week. Uh, Feels good. Hopefully you have some good uh, Friday or weekend plans. Are you doing anything fun this weekend, Brian? Not uh, are we? I, I mean, mean, we just got back, from, back vacation. from vacation, yeah. So it's so hard to think that through. I am preaching this weekend. Oh man, so I you got think... like a day to write a sermon, basically. Seriously, day and a half. Seriously, wow. I okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm two weeks ahead. Come on. Uh, so <laughs> that was <laughs> wow. not true. Wow, uh, that was not true. But I I think uh, I think it is a pretty low key weekend because we just got back from vacation. How about you? What are you guys doing this weekend? Um, you know, we are going out to dinner. Somebody gave us a gift card to um, uh. The publican in the city, so we're actually going to go out to dinner at some point this weekend. Is that weekend. just you and your husband? Me or is and that my a husband. Whole no, we're, no, just me and my husband. We're going to have a couple friends go with us. Daniel Yang, who's been on the show before, and his wife are mm-hmm. going to join us. And then um, we, Kevin, has to write his sermon, so we'll probably just chill on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> What's his excuse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is his excuse? I don't know. Anyway, but looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to the time of rest. All right. Um, uh, Brian, on Fridays, we love to bring our people something that's encouraging or challenging, makes them think spiritually. And I got an email from mops.org, okay, which is kind of a little bit random because mops is for mothers of preschoolers. And I haven't had a preschooler in a while, but yes. uh, I, I, for some reason, I'm on this email blast and I actually really appreciated it because. What they're talking about is Jeremiah's message from 29.5. It's pretty familiar um, to a lot of people where Jeremiah is calling the Israelite people like though they're in captivity in Babylon to to spend the time in Babylon contributing to the welfare of the city. Build houses, Mm. live in them, plant gardens, marry and give your children in marriage. Like, uh, you know, it's a pretty famous passage of scripture. And um, what Mops is talking about is doing that in seasons of darkness. So you're going through divorce, seasons of exile, right? Like the Israelites were in exile when this is happening, when they were being called to do this. So uh, what they're saying over at Mops is some of us going through divorce, loneliness, caring for aging parents, perhaps dealing with a cancer diagnosis, going through unemployment or other financial difficulties where Catherine and I have talked about this week, the inflation and the pinch we're all feeling financially. Um, What if they're asking this question, what if God wants us to have the same mindset in our difficult places that he wanted from the Israelites? So Mm. um, what are your thoughts about that as a pastor? How, How do we how do we cultivate flourishing in the middle of really hard seasons? That's it feels like we have to keep coming back to this, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think the answer, there's lots of answers to that, but I think one of them is a a perspective that says God is still present in my, in my pain and a perspective that says the pain and struggle are not ultimate, no matter how overwhelming they are at the moment. Mm, And um, I I think that allows us to gain a perspective that says, okay, and it's because those things are true. I can I can continue to flirt. I can be a part of community I, or, or of the society. I can do this and that. Pain can become really overwhelming and hard times can become really overwhelming. So I think putting them into their proper place, their biblical place, allows us to say, okay, now how do I go day by day? I, I, how would you answer that question? 
Yeah, I, I um, you know, I, I think anecdotally of a story of uh, my friend Jen, who's going through a very serious cancer diagnosis right now. And one of the things that I've noticed that she's doing now, granted, when she doesn't feel good, she can't do this. But when she has days where she's feeling well, she's very intentional about um, like dropping off cookies for people or writing encouraging cards or um, the nurses that are taking care of her uh, when she gets her chemo she's being very intentional about like ministering to them praying for them giving them like gifts and encouraging you know little packages or whatever and that to me is a prime example I think of a way that you can flourish when it's hard so at mops Mm. they actually give this example if you're in the hospital for a long stay Get to know your medical team. Ask them questions and pray for them. If you're taking care of an elderly parent, bring fresh flowers, eat ice cream, look through family albums together. If you're lonely, consider starting a Bible study, hosting a game night with neighbors. Um, You can mentor somebody and plant seeds of joy and peace, encouragement and wisdom in the next generation. And if any of that feels too difficult, because what you're going through is too, too hard, you can ask a friend, a pastor, a, a therapist to help you find small ways to grow, uh, to experiencing flourishing in the midst of your hardship. And so I think it's a both a posture and a mindset. Like I'm going to choose even in my difficulty to bring life to other people. Um, but also I do think it's these like small action steps. Like I'm going to, in my own pain, I'm going to kind of, because can, pain can make you feel isolated, right? It can make you feel lonely. It can make you get a little bit self uh, centered in a sense and, and mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. that's okay like sometimes that's what you need but there yes. may be moments where you go okay i i am in a hole of my own making too much i'm going to step out of this in small ways send an encouraging text encourage someone who i know is hurting uh send a card make some mm-hmm. cookies buy the flowers plant literally plant a garden in my backyard like do some of these things to find beauty and to bring beauty to other people in the midst of the darkness. And there's something yeah. about building that muscle that can help provide hope for our own souls and for other people as well. I think that's well put. I think getting the focus off of our issues, getting the focus off of ourselves, getting yeah. the, and, and again, there are seasons where life is overwhelming and mm-hmm. you can't just be like, well, I'm not going to dwell on it. Of course you are. Right. But, but there are steps that we could take so that life does not become all consuming and our issues, our circumstances do not determine everything and, uh, and figuring out how to walk that balance. I love how you said like your friend who's going through it, like stuff Mm -hmm. we'd never want anyone to have to go through is like, I'm going to make cookies for other people. I don't know if I could get to that point. Like I I find that to be really like, I think that's the answer to the question, right? Like, still continue to do things for other people that bring you life that are, you know, the ways of Jesus, I think that becomes the answer. Yeah, that, that that's it. That becomes the answer right now. A question that they ask over at Mobs again is, okay, if you want to make life, like, literally make life where you are, so experience that flourishing where you are, whatever place God has you currently, what specific steps can you take to flourish there? I would add, what specific steps can you take to help other people flourish there as well? And maybe ask God mm-hmm. to give you some creative ideas that aren't too overwhelming. And then, of course, they remind us of where Jeremiah 29 goes, which is very famous verse from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for mm. welfare, not for evil, 
plans to give you a future and a hope. And I, I think that's so important for us to understand because sometimes we quote that verse, but we forget that the, the context is exile. Yes. Like we forget that the Israelite people literally have been, have been stolen from their home are now living in Babylon these people, with these people who do not worship God, who have taken them to captivity. They're living in exile, and they're asked to start over. Mm. And um, in the middle of hardship, ha- learning to trust that God actually has plans for them that are not evil, but are plans uh, for a hopeful future, that's a, that's a good... Like, that anchors us, I think, in our Absolutely. seasons. Absolutely. I think that's really difficulty. important to remember to remember that context for the verse that we often use. Yeah. Right? God yeah. knows the place. <laughs> right. It's in a context and that God God does know what you're going through yeah. and does make a lot of promises that mm. we can hold on to. Yeah, that's right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Brian. It's good to have you back. Thank you. It is good to be back. I yep. made it. Now I need a couple days off. So we'll be back on Monday. <laughs> All right. We'll be back on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.